Hi, this is Matt Dobschutz, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 69 of Chasing Dreams. And I have another friend of mine from Podcast Movement here with me today. His name is Matt Dobschutz, and he is the host of a weekly recovery podcast called Porn Free Radio. It serves motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn. It, has, it frequently ranks in the top 100 of iTunes in self-help with over 22,000 downloads a month, which is crazy. In 2015, Matt was let go from his corporate marketing job of 10 years, and so he pivoted to a new career as an entrepreneur. He now coaches men and helps other coaches mark their messages. Matt lives just outside of Chicago with his wife Janice and two boys. He recently joined in the celebration of the World Championship Chicago Cubs, and he's joining us on the show today. Matt, how's it going? It's going great. I'm still recovering from the Cubs celebration. I was with some friends and I came home and I actually had so much fun that I tripped over my fire pit in my backyard coming into the house. And oh. so, <laughs> oh, so I, I, everything's fine. Okay. It no was, permanent injuries. You know, it's like one of those things, like it doesn't hurt as much when you lose or when you win as when you <laughs> lose. So I've, uh, yeah, so I've recovered from that. And, uh, survived. I didn't go down to the parade, which was crazy. There was 5 million people, the the seventh largest gathering of humans in history. Uh, Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, what a game. What a game. Amazing. Talking about chasing dreams. They made it happen. Well, you know, this is the your your show is the appropriate show to talk about this. As a Cub fan, I hate to say it, but for years, we kind of had a lot of limiting beliefs that were shattered like this year. Like we can't get to the World Series. That was one. Or we don't win. Or that you were cursed. Or we were cursed. Mm -hmm. Or we can't close. Or that something bad always happens. Right. You get Uh, to, you choke. Yeah. You can pick any one. Yeah. You guys have had a number of disparaging uh tags well and, you know you know how i knew that the the limiting belief for me was shattered was in game seven in case you didn't watch it it went into extra innings but there was a there was a point where cleveland came back and tied even though it looked like we might win and i knew i was different because i was not concerned not that i thought we would win but i felt like this year was a success and there was growth. There was positive things that I saw. And, you know, so I was hopeful in a different way. I know other people who had the sinking, you know, pit in their stomach when they watched, but I was actually happy and excited in the last inning 
Like I, I, I never, I felt like that, that, that sort of limiting belief was shattered. I mean, it was a fantastic game and you guys definitely did not make it easy. And I'm glad you said that because at that moment, right? Cause you guys have had the longest, I think drought since uh, the last win of the world series, Cleveland has, has, has a long drought period as well. Not as long as yours, but you know, either team that it would have won would have earned it. It's not like uh, yeah. they're losers or anything. No, they absolutely played their heart out just as much as you guys did. And both winners, I'm just thrilled for you guys because you're right. You guys have shattered all those limiting beliefs that everybody had. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I feel like in my own life, there's been things that I've done and accomplished that where I've experienced the same kind of thing. If you would have told me a few years ago that I would start my own business or I would work for myself, even, you know, you, you introduced me as like having a recovery podcast, being in recovery, having sobriety. Uh, some of those things when you're, when you're in the, the mistaken beliefs, when you're living in the, uh, the place where you don't have a lot of hope, like thinking of yourself as a different person or doing something completely radically different is really hard to conceive of. And um, so I've seen a lot of that shift in my life too. And and that's why watching the Cubs this year was really interesting because I found myself on a similar journey where I was like doing things I hadn't done before and pushing through barriers. It's uh, The Cubs story is very inspirational and a lot of things can be taken away from it. Um, I did want to talk about your recovery program and some of the things when I met you at podcast movement, we had met and um, you know, we had talked about entrepreneurship and things like that, but we had also talked about your podcast and my podcast and you have a recovery podcast. Now guys, we're, we're talking about a podcast that involves the recovery from pornography. If you find that to be, there's nothing illicit in our conversation, but if that bothers you, you know, here's your warning. Okay. So go with it. But you started a recovery podcast called Porn Free Radio, which, you know, congratulations. It is something Thanks. that people need help with. And so you are doing that. 22,000 downloads a month. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's There's a large audience of guys out there. Well, first of all, I mean, pornography, you know, conservatively is viewed, viewed at least once a month by 70% of men in the United States. And of those, of that 70%, that huge group, there's a percentage of guys who don't want to look at it. They, they, they don't feel like it's serving them. It's not helping them. And yet, despite how much, how many people are using it, there's very few resources for guys who want to quit looking at it, who want help or support moving out of it. And so what I've done is create basically a podcast, but a platform to help guys, you know, get support, get accountable, create a recovery plan and connect with others in the community. And, and, and it's connected, it's connected with a large group of guys and they're very dedicated listeners, probably some of the most dedicated podcast listeners I've ever heard about. I, I know podcast listeners in general are very like supportive. And when they connect with the podcast, uh, po podcaster that they like, you, you know, you get a lot of love, mm -hmm. but like 
I'm getting like love that like <laughs> I is like at another level because I'm helping with such a sensitive area. And uh, while they're doing the work, uh, I seem to get a lot of the residual sort of, you know, congratulations. <laughs> and, and, and it's like I, I kind of have a little bit of a halo effect from the success that they're having in their lives. Well, you kind of said it just now, right? It's a sensitive subject. Um, you know, alcoholism is also a vice that people struggle with. And there's Alcoholics Anonymous and resources for people uh, to get help with that. Because of the sensitivity of this subject that you talk about and provide that resources, which is limited from what you said, did you have any hesitation in putting this together? I didn't. I, I didn't. I had uh, I had led a ministry in my church for years that dealt with sexual issues in general. Um, I mean, we had people struggling with addiction. We had pro- people struggling with childhood sexual abuse, those types of things. And so I had already worked in a ministry where we kind of demystified shame and kind of pressed into honesty and, and really talking about our stories and our wounds and our and what we need to, to heal. So I had already been kind of in a, a local ministry that did that. And um, so I got used to talking about my wounds and talking about my story. And uh, and so putting it into a podcast wasn't that much of a leap for me. And here's the funny thing, Amy. Mm-hmm. People who want help take the time to listen to my podcast. No one else takes the time to listen to a porn recovery podcast unless they need help. So... Even though I was working my corporate job when I started this this uh, podcast, I don't think any of my coworkers ever listened to it. Like they, it, it's like they kind of knew about it, but no one takes the time to download a podcast and listen to it unless they're interested in what the subject is. And so I figured if they were interested, then they, you know, There's they would reason. listen to it. They would they would listen to it. So mm-hmm. I, I found that out right away. Like people knew about the podcast, but no one was like taking the time to listen to it unless they had a problem. And that makes sense. And and because you're doing this, you're helping others. And that's I'm always big on helping people. And so the fact that you you're providing a rare resource, you know, for that. And and you've gone from a podcast to a platform. You said was that a natural progression? It was. I mean. I, as I was starting to think about my audience and, and trying to help them, it became evident that I needed to put something together, t- tools, resources, things to actually help them recover. So I think it was in 2014, December, I had been podcasting for almost a year. And I went, I need to kind of put together a plan, like a way that you know, kind of the steps for people to go if they're new to this, what are some things they can put in place? What are some essential things they need in recovery? And I did a podcast called Going Porn Free in 2015. Mm -hmm. And I invited people to download a worksheet. You know, they would give me their email address and download the worksheet. And and so I did that. And people started doing that. I'd never had a mailing list before. I actually had, talk about self self-limiting beliefs. I actually thought no one would actually give me their email address because of the sensitivity. But when I started giving away this plan and people started downloading it and 
So I did that for about six months or so. And then as I transitioned out of my corporate job, when I got let go, I decided, hey, I had always wanted to, to start coaching guys working one on one. And I started coaching guys. And the first guy who hired me was a young guy, probably in your demographic, you know, maybe like 23, 24. Mm-hmm. And we had to meet for our first meeting. And I said, hey, um, would you before we meet, listen to this episode, I think it was episode 30, and and fill out this worksheet, you know, would you go through the steps that I talk about? And then we'll talk about that in our first coaching session. And he did it. And I went, man, this, this really works. Like, he's, he's following this plan. And from there, I developed a course that was based on that podcast. And, um, and started working with coaching clients and would, would basically once the course was there, I said, now I say, Hey, can you go through this course? And then we'll meet for our first session. And so it kind of, it built on that. And so it started with a podcast. It started with an, a, a small opt-in and then it, and that's how the platform started to grow. And now I have a, uh, a pretty good size mailing list and I'm starting to connect with people in coaching and, and that's how it started. Now, before we talk about your transition to entrepreneurship and what you're doing there, I did want to mention uh, you're the first person that I've seen that has this new social media. And guys, you can find all the information about Matt and his uh, social media presence on the show notes page. Our tribe, can you talk briefly about what that is in case anybody is interested or has a need for it? Sure. Our tribe is a social recovery app, and so it's it's actually the word or the letter R, uh, T R I B E, and you can get it. At, you, you can go to ourtribe.org to find out about it. It's a it's an app that's sort of like kind of like a Facebook type check in status check in, but it's specifically for porn and sex addicts, and and they're actually gonna I think open it up to some other people and other types of recovery work. Um, But it's a really great platform for holding yourself accountable, checking in, and you can set up a tribe, basically, other friends who you're connected with and who are walking with you in recovery, and you can basically share your check-ins with them. And and people who check in and are are, uh, accountable on a daily basis do a lot better uh, with recovery with walking away from an addiction or walking away from habitual use of something. So, um, my, my name on there is Dobber. It's D O B B E R. So if you download it, you can download it on the app store or on Google play or Google, the Google app, the Google store and, um, for Android and connect with me. A, a lot of people have made me their first friend, uh, as they've started building support for themselves. And guys, I wanted to talk uh mention that just so that there was a little bit of explanation in case someone who's listening needs that. So be aware there are resources out there to help you. Now, Matt, you are now an entrepreneur. You, we were talking offline about um, I, how I've been sick a few days at my day job and how you've been health free in your life because you've been uh, kind of away from other people in this new, how should we call it? freedom life you have? Yeah, it's, well, it's just sort of an interesting result. I realized, I realized this probably last winter 
boy, I didn't get sick at all this winter. What, what's the difference in my life? And I realized, well, I spend a lot of days alone or, I mean, I see my family, my kids, my wife, but I'm not having as much daily contact with people as I did in my corporate job where I would see hundreds of people a day. And, um, so I just think it's sort of an, a funny result of working home and alone. Not, and, and not a, a side effect that one would think about until you hear about someone who has a day job and goes into an office full of people and, you know, gets sick, which, you know, happened to me, but how is it? Life is a freepreneur. Is that what it's? I don't know. <laughs> you know, but everybody There's has some this, different way. So, someone free. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's been a really interesting shift. I'm an, a natural extrovert. And so, but, you know, I realized that there's a lot of value in working by yourself sometimes. You can get more done. And um, once I started coaching guys, I, I do coaching through Skype and through mobile and other, you know, video platforms like Zoom. And so sometimes I'll have 17 calls in a week. So I see people and are talking to people, um, but I'm not always, I'm never in the same room for the most part. It's funny on Friday night, uh, a, a coaching client who uh, came into town, uh, we took me out to dinner. And so it was one of the first times that I actually saw someone that I worked with. And he actually was in another country oh, last wow. year, last year when I was working with him and so it was funny, like my first thought, I didn't say this, but when he approached me, I, I thought, wow, he's shorter than I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> so, the screen just shrinks them, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, he just was shorter. No, he was, I mean, I thought he was taller. Like, um, like so he was, you know, so that was kind of a funny thing. But it was really interesting to go out to dinner with someone who, you know, basically I walked through this last year, some, some challenging things with him and, and it was really cool. And it was funny. We had this natural connection and I said, Hey, if you think about it, you know, we probably met 18 times this year together, 18 hours. That's more than you invest with good friends. Think about it. That's I mean, true. You, you Finding don't, time. You don't usually spend one quality hour of talking with a good friend every week. Um, it just doesn't happen. So, so I said, you know, there's a reason why we have a connection. There's a reason why we know each other. It's because we've been working together in a more intense, intentional relationship. So when you began, though, right, so you had 10 years in marketing and you're an extrovert. So those are two things that kind of make sense and go together. But how do you learn to become an entrepreneur? It seems like there are some gaps that would appear. Is that just, am I wrong? Or is it just a natural pro progression? Well, let me take a step back. Sure. Amy. I'm going to, I want to, I, I was a, I worked in web marketing. So I worked on websites for brands and different companies. And here's the thing. For years, I was, a senior specialist. Like I kind of hit this ceiling where I was like kind of a tech lead, but I never was the manager. And I think that my addiction, actually my, my struggle with pornography kind of kept me in this sort of stuck place where I wasn't particularly good at advocating for myself or leading. 
Uh, I, I definitely had some mistaken beliefs. And when I started leading the church ministry, I, um, I actually started leading. People were following me. I had some, a team that I had built. And, but at work, I was still a senior specialist. And I actually went to my pastor for advice about this. And I said, you know, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a leader at church, but at work, I'm just like this specialist. And uh, what do you think about that? Should I, is this just my lot in, in life? I kind of thought, well, maybe this is just what I'm supposed to do in order to do some ministry. And my pastor said, you know, you're a leader. And if they don't recognize you as a leader, you're never going to be happy. Wow. And and so I went to work and I I found out about a leadership development program that they were not thinking about me being in at all. And I basically put it out there that I said, I really want to be in this leadership development program. I didn't give them an ultimatum, but in my head, if they weren't going to let me be in that, I was going to start looking for another job where I could move into leadership. It was going to be a sign to me that they weren't going to invest. And they let, they let me in that program and I did really well in it. And, and it just happened that I was able to become a manager after I finished that program. Uh, My boss ended up moving on and I, I kind of advocated for myself to take the job. And it's funny when they, when he left, they were actually thinking about merging my department into someone else's. And I actually was able to advocate and become the manager. And so so, this was a little bit of an evolution for you there. Yeah. And when I became a manager, I realized there were lots of things that I had never seen in my role as a senior specialist. I never saw a budget. And now I was managing a budget that was over a million dollars. And I had never done a performance review for anybody. I'd never hired anybody. There were all these things I did. And so I I really dedicated myself to learning how to do those things. And one of my first reviews as a manager, and and let's just say I I was a creative lead. I was a web person. I was probably on the outside a little undisciplined. I kind of had a lot of talent, but I wasn't particularly like, you know, the most, what's the right word? Um, I, I, I definitely struggled with, with sort of responsibility. So this was kind of new, all this. And, um, in my first review, my, my manager said, you know, Matt, I've really appreciated the way you've managed your budget this year. Like she gave me like high marks for managing my budget. And it's because I just spent so much energy focusing on that area because I was so worried about letting, letting her down. And, um, so I just learned about being a manager, all these things, managing a budget, managing people, you know, having tough conversations, all those types of things. And I, I, I failed. I didn't do everything well, uh, but I learned a lot. So, and, so when you didn't have a skill, you went ahead and just kind of learned about it on your own? Yeah. I, I mean, I asked for help and I learned from some other people. One, an, Another manager gave me her spreadsheet, how she managed her her finances. And I, I kind of religiously followed that uh, spreadsheet and filled it out with my, my department's data. 
And um, so I really committed myself to learning how to do that. I, you know, I went to like a getting things done seminar with David Allen. And I mean, I was working at productivity and, and tried to, tried to really, you know, excel at being a leader. And, um, and I think it was at that point after doing that a couple of years, I realized, wow, I'm actually a manager and there's more I want to do. And I started having a vision for myself leading at a higher level and wanting more influence. And, and so part of me was thinking, do I work on something on my own or do I develop, do I keep on a track here? Am I going to be a director at some point? And so I started developing the podcast and some other entrepreneurship type ideas while I was working my corporate job. And, um, but I think a lot of the impetus came from advocating to be a leader, becoming a manager and learning that job. That's kind of what started giving me the confidence to think about running my own business. And that's the thing I find interesting from what you're telling us is, is how that one moment that you had for yourself has kind of brought you here, you know, standing up for yourself and, and doing something that you wanted and believed in kind of set off this set of motion of uh, set in motion, these events that kind of has led you to becoming the manager, then, you know, doing the podcast and then kind of building the platform and then so on and so forth. And now you, you are here today coaching people. Yeah, it, it goes back even farther. I mean, Charles Duhigg and his book, uh, The Power of Habit talks about a keystone habit. And it's the habit that you start to get some strength in and you start building other habits around it. And so if you go all the way back to my original recovery, when I started working on getting recovery from porn addiction, I took a weakness and worked on it really hard and it became a strength. And that from that strength, I started a ministry. And from that ministry, I became a leader. And from becoming a leader at church, I became a leader at work. And then from becoming a leader at work, I learned how to be a manager and and created a vision for the podcast and perhaps, you know, doing a freedom business. And then it's like, so yeah, it's all started with that first habit. And then these new skills and things have all been as a result of that. And now you're coaching other coaches, you know, amongst the, the other things you're doing. How is that when you have coaches? Do, is there like a butting of heads sometimes because of difference of styles or anything? Well, what I've done with some other coaches is I've helped them market their message. So I've helped them uh, with, you know, email marketing or some of my original disciplines, you know, email marketing, web marketing, and now creating leads, you know, that whole, that whole way that I created a guide that people opted in for and, and, you know, sold my own product, my own uh, course, that type of thing. Other coaches need help with those type of things. So, so that's where I've been kind of giving them assistance, kind of telling them a little bit about what I did and helping them build out ways to connect and engage their audience. So that's, that's where the, it's not so much coaching. It's more like helping consulting uh, them. But eventually I, you know, it's just funny that you mentioned this about coaching coaches I've literally just thought about this recently of, hey, I think in 2017, as I start to 
map out my goals, one of the goals I have is to create a mastermind for other people in this type of profession, you know, coaches or people who are um, uh, in the sort of helping professions, you know, create a mastermind for them and, you know, help them run their businesses and build their businesses. So that's kind of something I've been thinking about. It's a little different than coaching guys who are working out of pornography addiction, but there's, I think, a lot to be learned. I've been in a mastermind this year and it's been great. And so I want to kind of create the same type of environment for other people. Can you actually talk a little bit about mastermind? Uh, it's something I've heard that has helped a number of people who chase our dreams who have been on the show. And I'm not sure my audience knows necessarily what that means. Well, sure. Mastermind, it comes from Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Wrench. That's where, I mean, it first sort of pops up. I think that's where it became popular. And it's it's this idea of getting together with a group of like-minded people who are maybe building businesses or in a similar profession. And when you put all your minds together, you end up having this, this you expand your ability to be creative, think through problems, uh, get feedback, all those types of things. So you get, you benefit from being with a group of people. And so I joined a mastermind shortly after I got laid off from my corporate job and it really gave me a place to kind of refine my message, to ask for feedback on some of the stuff I was building uh, to get some accountability. One of the first assignments I got from from my mastermind was to, to create a, a small product. And so I actually uh, took a couple of days and wrote a 12-page guide to dealing with temptation, which is something that a lot of my audience struggles with. What happens when you're kind of triggered or in you know, kind of thinking about acting out. And so it was 10, 10 pages. Each page had a, a tip for dealing with temptation, a strategy. And I launched it on my website and I sold it for 10 bucks. And the whole, like basically my mastermind helped me. They set a date and they said, have this launched by this date. And I, I, I did it. I did it like within 30 days, I'd created this little product and that product actually sold, but well, I haven't looked at it recently. I maybe sold 60 or 70 copies. Uh, but a number of those people who bought those copies became coaching clients. So the total, the total net of that exercise was, you know, maybe six or $7,000 last year, just from making that little ebook. And so you, you have this mastermind, you're thinking of co coming together with a, a new mastermind for 2017. Um, is it the thing with masterminds? Is it one? Like, I guess I don't know. Yeah. How you you get one or find one? You find these like-minded people. Is there <clears throat> a, a social media place for it? Well, I you know a number of like guys like Dan Miller have talked about how to create a mastermind, and I'm probably not the best guy to to weigh in on how to create one, mm -hmm. um, but. I found one through another podcaster I listened to named Mike Kim. And that's kind of how I connected with the mastermind I'm in. But I mean, this is something that you could do with a group of people. You could say, hey, I have a vision for 
getting together once a week to talk about our businesses, would you be open to it? You can do a, a mastermind where you put it together like that. Or sometimes there's people out there who host masterminds or um, create masterminds in order to to help their audience. And so, um, you know, I, I started a group coaching program for my audience and it's not quite a mastermind because it's a little more like group coaching. But what's interesting is I don't do all the talking in the group. A lot of the guys talk to one another and I'm just facilitating. Uh, so they're actually getting the benefit of other people's insight, advice and experience uh, in their recovery. And it's not just my voice. Well, so that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen an incredible value of having more than one person. You know, I've even seen some coaching clients really thrive in group coaching and, and they were doing they were doing good in one on one coaching. But having those other voices and other people involved in their recovery is really, uh, you know, giving them a boost. Well, I just love the fact that there's just from this conversation today, there's been so many different ways that people can advance uh, their dream chase, you know, from taking it upon themselves to learn more about something they're not familiar with, to group coaching, to masterminds, to, you know, just finding resources. And so one of the ways we kind of close out is, is to ask our guests, you know, what is something you would recommend to someone chasing their dreams? Well, what a mastermind does for you or a really good like internet course that has community in it, what it does is it provides accountability and a structure for you to pursue a dream to actually meet a goal. So for example, when I started the podcast, I took podcasting A to Z by Cliff Ravenscraft, which is like a little course, but kind of a little bit like a mastermind because for four weeks there was other people in the course and you could weigh in and review their podcasts and give them feedback. And I got a lot of feedback during that time, but it had a prescribed sort of teaching and thing to follow. And it had some community and that's what helped me launch my podcast. I think if I just researched how to do a podcast and, you know, just kind of futzed around with technology, I would have never launched a podcast. I think and, there's something to be said about that. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing with, you know, that little ebook. I think if, if you would have said, Hey, Matt, just, you know, you should create an ebook. I think I would just be refining it and playing with it and thinking about it and never, you know, taking care of it, you know, never actually doing it. I actually, um, I'm working on a book right now. And if it was just left to me to write chapters, to publish a book, I wouldn't do it. But I hired an editor who's helping me edit and it's helping me write the book because I have someone who's there who's like, where are the chapters? Let's get this, <laughs> let's get this going. What's going on? Where are you at with this? So I, you know, that, so one, one thing I'd say, if you have a dream, what's something you can invest in to get yourself closer to that dream? You know, if you have a dream about quitting your day job, then you need to start taking action to create income outside of your, outside of your day job. If you're just listening to, to the Pat Flynn podcast and just, and just wishing nothing's going to happen. Not that Pat Flynn, I mean, Pat Flynn's a great podcast, but if you don't put anything in action, I think even Pat would tell you nothing's going to happen. 
That's true. So I finish all my podcasts by saying take hope and take action, meaning take hope from my story and from some of the things we talk about here, but don't just, just don't sit on it, actually do something. I love that. I do. I, I think, you know, faith without, without action is really just, you got to do something. You know, just saying you have it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And I've told people listen to my podcast. I'm like, hey, I appreciate that you've read a lot of books on this subject, but I think that you probably have enough information. You don't have an information challenge. You have an action challenge. Um, sometimes we think that by reading about stuff or doing obsessive research or we think we're taking action, but we're actually just kind of staying stuck. Action challenge. I like that too. Matt, you're just, you just got them left and right here. I love that action challenge that thank you so much for coming on the show and, you know, sharing your story. Cause I hope people will realize, check yourselves guys. Maybe you have an action challenge and you should be doing something about it like Matt. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I constantly talk to guys in coaching and one of my clients said it this way, Matt, my intention is good, but my follow through sucks. <laughs> I've heard that. And the thing is, is if you ask people, their intentions are usually good. Like I want to, like, for example, I, I'd like to help people and do leave my day job and create a business that helps people or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. But it's in taking the action and holding yourself accountable that actually that happens. Otherwise, you know, the follow through doesn't ever happen. So you need to create, you need to press into things that actually help you follow through. And taking action is, is part of that. And guys, I hope you'll, you'll take heart to what Matt is saying. Matt, thank you again for coming on the show. Wish you nothing but the best with the future and uh, all the best with your uh, freedom business. Great. Well, and thanks. Thanks for having me on. I love I love listening to the show and I love it when you have unique different types of people talking about dreams. Uh, it's, it's fun to listen to because I never thought of myself as a dream chaser until the last couple of years where I'm like, I'm actually having vision for how I want my life to be. Even just now, I talked about something I want to do in 2017. Mm -hmm. You know, I lived most of my life never planning or thinking ahead. And so just kind I'm, of staying in that one moment. Right. So I'm making goals for 2017 and I might not hit them all, but I looked at some of my goals from 2014. Yeah. And I've hit a ton of them, like just by putting them on paper and and taking action. A lot of them have come true. I love it. I love it. And we can't wait to see what happens in 2017 for your goals. And Dream Chasers, how awesome is Matt Dobschutz? Really glad I was able to get him on the show and talk to you guys because he's gone through uh, a number of different things. He's evolved with time and by, you know, standing up and, you know, standing up for himself, I guess is the best way to put it. It began a series of events that's led him here today and it's fantastic. He's shared a number of different lessons which you guys can find by either listening to the episode again, of course, or checking out the show notes page over at 
chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 69. And I just want to emphasize one thing that he said that stood out to me. And it's that a lot of us, we may not have an information challenge. What we have is an action challenge. Okay. So until next time, guys, keep working on your action challenge and keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.